Well, let's pray. Lord, this is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it because you're good. You're on the throne, and Lord, you win, so we win. So open the word and change us today. Let us see what you want us to see in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Everybody got your Bibles? Hold your Bibles up. Let me see them. See them, see them, see them. We have some in the foyer if you don't have one. Boy, some of those pictures, I didn't know who that guy was. A little smaller, hair was different colored. Those three guys together are the three senior pastors that have been here. Woody Church, that started the church 36 years ago. He was, he, he was here three years ago, and he went home to be with the Lord two years ago. A great servant of the Lord planted three strong churches. Elgin Emmons was number two. Elgin uh, is now living in northern Kentucky. And also, you saw our first Spanish pastor, Miguel Martinez, who is one of the greatest evangelists I've ever met. Man, he made me look shy, backward, and unwilling to talk to people. He talked to everybody. And he shared the gospel with everybody. So how about that? 30 years. Well, today we want to talk about why we must multiply. Turn to your neighbor and say, we must multiply. That felt kind of weird for people you didn't know, right? We're talking about finishing the book of Revelation. took us about a year. In the light of that... It's coming sooner or later. We don't know when. When the church in America needs to think differently. And this is a huge burden on my heart. And so let's start. Let's talk about this issue. So if you want to change your life, this day might change a number of your lives. You may start thinking differently. You might see God's call on your life that may impact hundreds, if not thousands of people for eternity. So I'm going to ask, focus, everyone say focus, focus and listen, pay attention, take a note, you'll get a lot more out of it if you write and take notes. Here's the first question. If you had a choice, what's better, addition or Multiplication. How many say addition? How many say multiplication? Do you want your money to add? Or would you like for your money to multiply? I like I like multiplication. How many have ever eaten at a Culver's restaurant? I like Culver's. Free commercial for some of our Culver's people. But have you ever eaten at the Culver's in Sox City, Wisconsin? Anybody? Crazy, three people at the first service had. Here's a picture of it. Very first Culver started. There's the Culver's family that started this restaurant chain. Started this 1984. And I'll show you a picture. I don't want you to leave the room and go there immediately. But there are 500 Culver's now. And they have great food. I kind of like it a bunch. And the reason you've eaten at a Culver's is because they did what? What did they do? They multiplied. And they're still multiplying. So keep thinking. Is it good for one church 
to take a 24-hour segment of the month to pray for the city. Is that good or bad? Is that good? What if we went from one church to 22 churches, which is what we currently have, praying for the city? Which is better? And I have a goal to have 100 churches praying for a region. Okay, let me ask you another question. What's better? One person sharing the gospel on Thursday night or how about 30 people sharing the gospel? Which one's better? So last Thursday night, we're doing this every Thursday night for the month of June. Last Thursday night, there were 30 of us. We met for 20 minutes of training, 15 minutes of prayer. We got in cars and we scattered and went all over. I was trying to share with them how easy it is to talk to people about faith, how to start conversations. Did you know people are more open today than ever before? The harvest is ripe. And the Holy Spirit, you will never meet anybody in your life has not been convicted of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin righteousness and of judgment to come. So every person you will ever meet has the voice of God speaking to them. And to not recognize it, they have to depress it, push it down, push it away. So last Thursday night, I think we had five people give their heart to Christ. Amen. And the week before, we had four people give their heart to Christ. And I just want to show it's very easy to do it. Very easy to do it. So, let me ask you again, what's better, addition or multiplication? When it comes to the kingdom, which is better? Multiplication. We're in the room today because of multiplication. Now, let's start in Genesis. Everyone open your Bible to the book of Genesis. We're going to look at a number of passages because this is on my heart, and I pray this touches you today. This is the very first command that God gave to real people in a real place called the Garden of Eden. Verse 28, God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth yes that's for the first man and the first woman but it's for you and me too well we'll explain it starts off by saying god bless them have you been blessed of the lord has god blessed you oh yes i've been blessed of the lord what does it mean to be blessed of the lord he gives you talent He gives you a grace. He gives you a power you didn't have a month ago, but now you have it today. He gives you capacity. You can do some things today that you couldn't do two years ago. And that's all beyond what you can do in the natural. Many years ago, I got a job at a radio station and I did sales, taped commercials, Then I was an on-air personality. We were on parts of three states. 
and I had to get up really early, and I was in the afternoon, so I got a degree in this, and I was trained to do this, but when they put me in the seat, it was the most intimidating thing I've ever done. Because we were running an AM, FM station at the same time, everything was live. I was introducing people. I was introducing the sportscaster, the newscaster, the weather person. I was playing commercials. And back then, we were playing songs with one of these things that went around like that. And the first two weeks, I almost, I just fell apart because I, I played the wrong song at the wrong time. I did it over the top of people. I got the weather all messed up. I mean, I just knew I was going to get fired, but I called out to God and begged him to give me grace. And he gave me grace. And about six months, it might have taken me a little longer, I got where I could do all that complicated stuff blindfolded. It was just natural to do all those things at the same time. That is God's blessing. If you walk with God, he will give you his blessing. If you do not walk with God, he will withhold his blessing from you. Again, grace or his blessing is to give you the ability that you could never have on your own. So God says, I've blessed you, man. I've blessed you, woman. This is a blessed church You are a blessed people. And then he said, be fruitful. Everyone say fruitful. Not fruity. Be fruitful. What do you mean fruitful? The Lord is looking from your service and your life abundant crops. Jesus talked about the vineyard, that he was the vine and we were the branches And verse number 8 of chapter 15 says, By this, say it with me, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So the fruit, two kinds. Fruit of the Spirit. As you walk with Jesus, you should be more patient, more loving, more kind, more forgiving, stronger on the inside because you walk with God. That's the first fruit. But the second fruit are the lives of people that have been changed because you have loved them and befriended them. First, changed hearts, then changed lives. He is a fruit inspector. And then he said, multiply. Say it, please. Multiply. What do you mean multiply? Multiply means... It has increased greatly and your crop or your influence or your blessing has increased rapidly. Multiply. Then he went on to say fill the earth. Everyone say fill the earth. What do you mean fill the earth? Fill the earth with what? With God's goodness. Fill the earth with God's love. You are his missionary. You are his pastor in your neighborhood and at your school. And we want his presence to grow in our city. We want his presence to grow in your neighborhood. We want his presence in your home because he enjoys your company. 
We pray that when he looks from heaven and he sees us worshiping and praying and serving and going and giving and forgiving, he says, those are my people and I want to be with them. Fill the earth and then subdue it. Everyone say subdue it. It means to push back darkness. You're the light of the world because Jesus said you were. To push back unrighteousness because of his presence. Then he said, I want you to rule over it, which means bring the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ to bear wherever you are with grace and power. Now, are, are you tracking with me? Does this make sense? Hello, are you tracking with me? Hello? Okay, so the first command is your first command. Memorize this. Go to sleep thinking about it. Now let's go to the book of Matthew. Something that many of you know about, maybe new to some of you, something called the Great Commission, Christ's Great Commission. Chapter 28, verse 18, 19, and 20. This is what he spoke to his disciples right before he ascended into heaven. And Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And then he said, lo, I'm with you even to the ends of the age. So he starts off with this command for you and me that we need to go. Everyone say go. go. One more time. Say it again. Go. Third time a little louder. Go. You know what the opposite of go is? It's to stay or to sit. The problem is some of us have birthdays and we get a little older. We tend to get comfortable. We like life a certain way. We don't want Jesus messing our life up. We stop taking risk. We stop growing. We stop being the people that go across the street and meet our neighbors. We stop initiating conversations with people at work because we just get comfortable But the church is at its best when we get outside the walls of this building. So we need to get outside and we need to get outside of our comfort zones. We need to move out. Everyone say move out. And we need to initiate. Are you an initiator? Most Christians are very passive people. We're very passive. No, no, no. Never be passive. We are to be initiators. We meet people. We love people. We are generous. We show kindness. And then we are to make. Everyone say the word make. Make what? Well, anything worthwhile has to be made or built or created. Now, I saw on a website, I'm not good at making cakes. I've never met made one, but I'm really good at eating them. And I saw on the website, it was like 10 steps to make a great cake. Uh, No, I just want to eat the cake. 
But when you make anything, there's a process involved. It doesn't happen accidentally. You take steps. Now, what are we making? Are we making cupcakes or sugar cookies? No, we're making disciples. Please say that. Please, duh. Disciples, not Christians. You receive Jesus as your Savior. You are now a Christian, a believer. If you decide to follow, which is what you should do, that is called a disciple. It means a disciplined one. You've learned the lifestyle of getting up early and reading your Bible. You've learned the lifestyle of prayer. You've learned the lifestyle of sharing your faith. You've learned that you live by discipline and by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And you are committed to following Christ the rest of your life. No matter what happens, you are a follower of Christ. These people are world changers. These people change their family legacy. And then disciples, who's candidates of this discipleship? Everybody. All nations. Every person. Every unreached people group around the globe have... We have the call to get the gospel to them. And we do that one life, one prayer, one dollar, one trip at a time. And then after they make the decision to follow Jesus, in that culture, this was a radical thing, baptism. I want you to baptize them. Uh, I hope you have been baptized by immersion in water. It is the best picture of you and I dying to self. Baptism will not save you. The water will not wash away your sin. That came because you gave your heart to Jesus. Baptism is a picture of a sign that you're going to stay with Jesus no matter what. So when you lay down in the water, the water is a picture of the grave spiritual death and the old Steve goes down and I want to die to self. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be abusive. I don't want to be vile in my language anymore. So death to self and I come up out of the water alive to Christ. People in China, people in Saudi Arabia, people in Vietnam pay a price to get baptized. In America, not so much. But baptism is an irrevocable decision, which means I'm not going back. I'm not going to say, well, I didn't mean to receive Jesus. No, I made my decision I'm going to walk with Jesus no matter who else fails me, no matter who quits, no no matter what happens in a church. I'm going to walk with Jesus forever. Everyone say the word forever. No turning back. That's what baptism means. And please don't get baptized because your brother did. 
Don't get baptized because your pastor asked you to. Or don't get baptized because your friends at school did. Get baptized when you say to Jesus and the world and your family, I'm never going back. I'm going to serve Jesus all my life. Someone say amen. And then baptize in the name of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which means you are now stamped with a new name. The name of Christian means I'm a follower of Christ or a little Christian. His name is stamped on my heart. I belong to the Holy Spirit. I belong to Jesus. I belong to God, the Father. I don't belong to the devil. Don't even belong to myself anymore. I belong to them. And then Jesus used this term teaching. Everyone say teaching. What's so important about this? Have you ever had a job, whether it was framing a house, plumbing a house, laying brick, IT work, doing architecture, painting a beautiful watercolor without someone showing you how to start. All those things, there's a learning curve, but in the spiritual realm, nothing will change without somebody helping you take the next steps. Why? Because the spiritual realm, the learning curve is so great because we deal with intangible things. When I worked for a newspaper and I was creating ads for a newspaper, it was right in front of me. But the spiritual realm is so different than something that's right in front of me. And then teaching them to observe, not some, but all that I commanded you. What's that about, Steve? Well, it's Jesus saying, knowing is not enough. Some of us have been in church a long time. We know a lot of stuff. The Lord is not impressed with you knowing a lot of stuff. He's touched by what you do. Observe, practice, obey. Then he went on to say, I am with you even to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the age. Well, what's that about? Well... If he's with you, that means we can do this. And all these years of following Christ, last month was my 51st anniversary of giving my heart to Jesus. I have had in my head and my heart, if I just know I am where Jesus wants me, And I'm doing what Jesus wants me to do. Nothing else matters. Everything else is going to be fine. I just want to know that's what he wants me to do. And that's where he wants me to do it. So another question. Are you still listening? Are you with me? I'm telling you, this is important for us, for our nation, because all of us have a short life. Our life's going to be over very quickly. 
So this is something you need to think about when we're talking about this issue of multiplication. Now turn with me to the book of Acts. I read through the Bible every year. It's just what I do. That's a spiritual discipline. I suggest you develop the discipline to do that too because you need to think like the Lord. You need to have his word purify your heart. About three weeks ago, I'm reading through the book of Acts and I do something I've never done before. I took a highlighter and every time I saw the church of Jesus, Jesus' family grow, expand, multiply, I marked it. So Acts chapter 2, you got it? Everybody got it? Help me out. Do you have it? Okay. 2 verse 41. So I'm doing this so you might circle it or highlight it so you can go back. Those who received the word, this is Peter's first sermon Brand new Christian. I'm thinking he's in his 20s. He got turned down at Asbury Seminary. He didn't have a PowerPoint or pretty pictures. And the Lord used him. It was a pretty good day for a rookie sermon. 3,000 people gave their heart to the Lord. Someone say amen. Amen. Okay. Let's keep going. Go over several more verses. Verse 47. You see it? And the Lord added to their number day by day, which means every day, those who are being saved. This was a hostile culture. Look at the picture on the screen. This is a place that may be the most hostile in the world. And the church is growing faster here than in any place in the world. These people, if the police find out about it, are going to jail Prison, ex or executed the leaders. Okay, let's keep moving. Go over a couple of chapters. Chapter 5. Verse number 14. Does anybody know where this is? Look at that baptism service. Verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added. Say the word added. To the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. This is Rwanda. And I think our team gets back today. Is that right? Does our team get back today? Go over to chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem multiplied. So we have addition. Now we see a shift from addition to what? Multiplication. And then it says a very large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Why is that mentioned? Because these were the hardest nuts to crack. 
Go to Acts chapter 8. I love this photo. This woman sharing the gospel with her Mandarin Bible in front of her. Those who had been scattered, why were they scattered? The church was being persecuted. And everybody had to run for their lives. The church had been scattered. They preached the word. They taught the word. They shared the word wherever they went. Chapter 9. You still out there? Verse 35. Peter prays for a man that is paralyzed. The man is healed. And it so impacts that region. There's two small towns or two villages named Lida and Sharon. And when they saw this man get up healed, his name was Ananias. Those two villages, those two towns practically all turned to the Lord. Chapter 9, verse number 31. Back up a couple of verses. So the church throughout three regions. Watch the regions. Judea, Galilee, Samaria. See them on the map? Judea in the south. Samaria in the blue in the middle. Galilee in the north. What was going on? Now they had a little bit of peace. Not so much pressure. And they were still walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it multiplied. What is it? The body of Christ. In many locations, in many homes. Go to chapter 12. You say, Steve, why are we doing this? Because I want you to see it. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and be what? Multiplied. Chapter 16. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. And they were increasing in numbers daily. And I think one more. Acts 19. So the word of the Lord continued, everyone say continued, to increase and prevail change lives, change atmospheres, change regions mightily. Are you with me so far? Are you seeing it? First commandment, great commission, the pattern through Acts. Now let's take those three and let's lay the American church beside this. This once happened like this in America. But not right now. Let me give you some 
statistics from churchleadership.org. Half of all American churches did not add one new person to the kingdom in the last two years. Half. I'm asking, what are you doing? You playing poker? What are you doing? 50% of Americans don't have a church home. There are about 1,000 new church plants. We like new church plants. And that could that number could be off. It could be 3,000, 2,500 church plants, but let's say 1,000 to be conservative. But this is for sure. About 4,000 churches close their door every year, which is about 150 to 200 a week. Now, is it because there's no lost people? Is it because there is no need? 1900, the ratio, there were 27 churches for every 10,000 people. 27 churches for every 10,000 people. Let's go a year, uh, 100 years forward to the year 2000. Now it's only 11 churches for every 10,000. Nineteen ninety-two, twenty-two percent of Americans, when they were polled, saying, "Do you go to church? How often? If you just go frequently, what's that? Once a month? Once every quarter?" Twenty-two percent said we go frequently. Okay. Three years later, it was down to twenty and a half percent. Four years later, it was down to nineteen percent. 2002 is down to 18%. Projected in three years, it'll be about 15% of America. What what kind of people are we going to be raising in our country like this? Who's going to be running the companies? Who's going to be running the airlines? Who's going to be running for office? Church attendance in Europe which we're kind of headed this way, is between 2 and 4%. And our faith came from the missionaries of England, Scotland, Sweden, and Germany, but they're spiritually dead, pretty much. So, here's a question for us. How long do you have to live? What are you going to do with your life? What are we going to do here in Lexington? So how is the word of God going to spread? And how will the kingdom be multiplied? My thoughts are there's so many lost people around us, so many people that are looking for God, he can't find Christians who will get out of the box, who will step out of the boat and impact other people. If we would just do what Jesus wants us to do, this could turn around. Often some of us that have been Christians for a long time, we spend all our time with Christians. If we have a Bible study, it's with Christians that have been Christians for 40 years, for goodness sake. 
And we drive past houses of lost people. Because we like being comfortable. Let's read another book together. Let's do another study together. When all these people are like the Titanic, they're floating in frigid waters and there's nobody to go get them. How are we going to see revival come to our country? And I believe we are going to. I live for revival coming to our country or any other nation. It's the same principle anywhere. And I want to ask you, do you want to see revival? Really? I mean, let me ask you again. Do you want to see revival? Really? Now, it's one thing to say you do. But it's another thing to actually do something. And you folk are the most noble people I know. But we need to think differently. What's the answer? What's the answer? The answer is you. The answer is me. What are you talking about? Look at the 5,000 people in the stands at a football game. 60,000 people in the seats and 22 people running their legs off on the field. We need to turn that around. We need to get on the field, all of us, and get out of the stands. Because Jesus is coming back. You know, I concluded the book of Revelation with this passage, and it stung me. It confronted me. It embarrassed me. It moved me. Read it with me, please. Therefore, whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called in the kingdom of heaven. What do you mean nullify, pastor? With your attitude, your word, or your action, or your inaction. Act like this is not valuable. And then he goes on to say, But whoever keeps, say the word keeps, and teaches, say the word teach, shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Anybody, everybody in this room has the opportunity to do this. You could be 10 years of age. The Lord could use you. You could be 40. You could be a brand new Christian. You could be 84. And the next 10 years of your life could be the most exciting. Here, your, your pastor got saved at age 18. May 10th, by the end of June, I was leading a Bible study for five teenagers that turned into youth group because my little dead church never taught the word. My family didn't know the word. My family were never taught to pray. I came to the Lord, my hair was on fire for Jesus. And I found out if I could just open the book, the Holy Spirit would explain it. And those five kids turned into 10 kids and into 20 kids and 30 kids and 40 kids. And people were coming to Christ every week and parents were getting in on it. And boy, I got addicted to getting the book inside of people 
And the only reason I did it, I didn't feel called. I didn't feel gifted. I didn't know anything about it. I called the book of Job, Job, and Psalms, Palms. But everybody around me, including my family, were dying in a spiritual famine. And nobody else would. There's prisons here that there's nobody working in those prisons. There are schools where there's not a single Bible study in that school. There's neighborhoods full of Christians, but nobody will open their home because we're all too busy. Some of you teenagers have a call on your life to do exactly what I'm talking about. You can start at age 12. And God will meet you there and use you powerfully. So here's a sermon and a sermon. If you are born again, if you are born again, hold your little hands up. Born again. You're born again. Guess what? You qualify. If you're born again, you can teach the Bible to someone else. I tell brand new converts, if you got saved on Monday, you can lead a Bible study on Friday. You're kidding me, Steve. I don't know anything. Just start. They don't know anything, and you know five days' worth. So just start. You got 168 hours. You have 168 hours, do you? Can you give up one hour? Can you give up one hour? Well, who do I reach to? Those people have been Christians for a thousand years. No seekers. Lost people, brand new Christians, those are the people you should go after. Brother Bill, Reeser, hold your hand up, you handsome rascal. Yeah. The material, encounter, Bible study material, discipleship material, I've used it, been through it twice. It is some of the best material anywhere around in this city. Pastor Bill has uh, put it in a new format. They start Bible studies, men and women, on Tuesday night. But again, I want to say as your pastor, don't just go to get fed. Learn to develop and use a tool that you can then in turn use for the next 30 years to help other people. Should Jesus tarry? You will grow faster if you help other people grow. Well, I don't know much about the Bible. I get it. You learn as you go. People in our culture know nothing about God. They know nothing about the Bible. So don't be intimidated. They don't know anything. The best way to learn the Bible is to teach the Bible. And the person that does the facilitation is the person that gets the most out of it. I've probably facilitated Bible an average of five to six Bible studies a week for 45 years. What if I get it wrong? You will get it wrong. You will get it so garbled, so, but they won't know. And if they figure out, boy, that was really dumb, let me show you what it really says and go, sorry, 
plus the Holy Spirit will adjust you. If you never get started, you will never help anybody. It's like playing basketball. What if I miss a basket? You will miss it more than you make it. But don't be afraid of shooting. Shoot the ball. This little navigator Bible study I have used for a long time. There's no telling how many times I've done it. You can do it for five weeks, five months, one group. We took two years to go through it. It is a basic Bible study. You will grow as you use it. It is so simple. How simple is it? Someone say it. Read the question. Look up the verse. Write down what the verse says. And grow like crazy. The Holy Spirit shows up when you open the book. Worship team, are you around somewhere? There they are. I forgot to call them. Don't you appreciate these folk? So here's what I want to do. Before Jesus comes back, what do you want to be investing in? Would you be willing to help the word of God spread in your neighborhood, at work, your school, in a prison, in a hospital? If you just step out, the Lord will meet you. Pastor Ryan is in the foyer. There's a sign-up sheet. If you'd like a little coaching how to get started, sign up out there before you leave. But I want you to be released just like I was released at age 18 to make a difference. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, release a burden in this room today for people watching online to take the living, sacred word of God and to invite people into their lives who know nothing. Create a revolution today, Lord. Turn it around. Help us to multiply and speak to your people to do it. In Jesus' name. And as the worship team leads us in this great final song, I want to open the altar. If you will tell the Lord, use me. Use me. I want you to come to the altar and I want you to humble yourself and tell him, here am I, Lord. Use me. Would you all stand as you're able? We're going to worship to this last song together. And like Steve said, please come to the altar and 
just use this time however you feel by the feel led by the Holy Spirit.
Lord is calling all of us to an assignment today. I've heard it said that if you want to get close to God, you've got to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. And I know God's calling some of you to mentor another person. Just open up God's Word and let the Holy Spirit speak to you and through you. That's the key. You don't have to have a seminary background or any training. Your best teacher will be the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of you, your assignment is to enter into a relationship with him because you've never made that decision. And if that's you, just pray with me right now and say, Lord Jesus, I want to be born again. I want to be part of your family. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins, turn from my sins, and I trust in you and you alone for the forgiveness of my sins and the free gift of eternal life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for writing my name in heaven's book, never to be erased. If you said that prayer, congratulations. Please come forward. Let me know that you prayed that prayer. Thank you for being with us today. Ryan's outside in the hallway. If you want to be a part of that assurance Bible study, Tuesday night's the encounter Bible study. If you want your life to be transformed and hear the voice of God, get into the presence of God, uh, you'll do this encounter Bible study. It'll transform your life. There'll be people praying uh, in about 10 minutes. The, the countdown begins. We're going to celebrate 30 years of ministry, Steve and Sue Pearson. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.